couple of weeks ago, I should say a few weeks ago, um, I came across a book. Anybody ever heard of Richard Wormbrand? I believe I'm saying that last name right. Richard Wormbrand, uh, the founder, I guess. Um, he was the founder of Voice of Martyrs, uh, but his book, Tortured for Christ, I read this the other week and, and was just, just dumbfounded, just amazed and in awe of what God did through Richard's life and how God used him. He, he passed away probably in the 90s, I believe, just, just not too far long away. Um, but Richard actually was kidnapped in Romania back in the 40s, um, and they kidnapped him secretly, and nobody knew where he was for eight years, held in prison for being a Christian, for taking a stand for Christ. Eight years, nobody knew. He was tortured every single day he was in prison. Um, every single day he would get on his knees and pray, and because he got on his knees and prayed, the guards would torture him. Constantly he would tell them, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you, and constantly they would beat him. I, I think part of it beating his feet, the bottom of his feet, every day, and the things that they would go through. And he, he writes in the book, he said, some of the things I don't even talk about anymore. He said, I don't even write it all down because of, the pain that it brings me and the thoughts that come back because of what I suffered for Christ. But I'm going to tell you something. Never have I heard of a stronger Christian than Richard Wormbrand and what he went through in his faith in the gospel. I'm going to tell you a short story, and then I want to show you a video of his life that actually a movie is coming out in the spring of next year. I encourage you to see it. Not not just so that you would be, you know, uh, saddened, but that your heart would be moved that there are still people today, thousands upon thousands of people today that are being tortured for the sake of Christ. And that we don't forget that. Today is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Christian. And the reason I'm doing what I'm doing today is because of that. And I asked Pastor if I could share this. Well, one of the stories in here talks about a, a man that was arrested and they kept asking him, telling him that he needed to recant. He needed to, 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 to denounce everything that he believed, all of his faith. And he kept saying, no, I will not do it. And they would beat him, they would torture him, and they would throw him back in prison. And every time he kept doing that, and all of a sudden they arrested his 14-year-old son and brought him in before him. And they began to, to beat his 14-year-old son. And they said, if you don't, we will kill your 14-year-old son if you do not denounce Christ right now. And the dad was about to do it, and the, and the son he spoke up, 14 years old, spoke up and said, Dad, don't do it. I don't want to have a traitor of a parent. Let them do what they do. And the father stood strong, and they beat the son until he died. Again, I don't tell you those stories. I don't tell you that what I've read because I want your heart to just be sad. I, I say that to say this, let it be a reminder for us that what people all around the world are going through for Christ. Nothing in comparison. I mean, we have nothing in comparison. Think about what happens in Texas, and that's the closest we could probably imagine that if something like that were to happen to us today. But there are men and women every day that are suffering for the name of Christ. I want you to watch this video real quick, and I'll come back and we'll go to the scriptures. Ce 
On February 29, 1948, a pastor was kidnapped from the streets of Romania. He would disappear for 14 years and endure horrific torture for his refusal to renounce Christ. And in the midst of this suffering, he witnessed the incredible power of Christ's love. After being arrested, I spent the next three years in a solitary cell. It was enough to drive any man mad. The martyr Savonarola wrote, There are those who believe in God, and those who, just as sincerely, believe that they believe. Now I had to ask myself, did I believe in God? That we are persecuted but not abandoned. So please do not abandon us. My wife Sabina had also been arrested. Sabina My son Mihai. Left orphan. Sabina would spend the next 18 months in a slave labor camp on the Danube. Sabina! Sabina! my darkest hours, my only hope was in prayer. Of course, in prison, prayer was forbidden. In spite of the beatings, I prayed every day. I prayed God would give me strength to endure. Of course, I prayed for my family. feet were beaten so often and so brutally, I would never walk normally again. I'm sorry if a crocodile eats a man, but I cannot reproach the crocodile. 
I had learned the same can be said of my torturers. Communism had stripped them of any form of humanity. And only God's love could restore them. Te rogi, mă! Iar te rogi! Ești tâmpit! Băiatul tău nu mai are casă! Nevoastă ta e arestată! Viața ta e distrusă, mă, băiatule! Și tu te rogi în continuare la Dumnezeul al tău care nici măcar n-are chip! Pentru ce căca te mai rogi, mă? Pentru ce te mai rogi tu acum? Mă rugam pentru tine. I hated the sin, but never the sinner. And some will even want to Christ. Statistics right now that over 200 million people face persecution still today. Over 200 million. 60% they believe are children. I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 1. It's kind of fitting that the pastor's been going through the book. And just a few weeks ago, when I started reading this book, I came back across this verse in Philippians chapter 1. And if anything, after reading the book and after reading this passage, I begin to pray this and ask this, God, help me not to forget those who suffer. Help me not to forget those who are persecuted. We may never experience anything like Richard Wormbrand experienced. We may never experience what the church in other countries are experiencing today that cannot be explained. But I do have the freedom to call upon my Lord and say, God, help them. And tonight, what I want to do is this. I want to read this passage, give you a few things, and then I want us to pray. I want us to pray for, for those who have been persecuted for their faith in Christ. When I say suffer, I'm not saying the sicknesses that we deal with, the death that we deal with. I'm talking about suffering for the name of Christ. I'm talking about those who have suffered because they have been called Christians and followers of Jesus Christ. We all suffer every day probably. There's things in our life that we suffer through and things that are hard and trials that we go through and, and those are bad enough. But what I want us never to forget is there's people that are suffering for no reason at all but because of they believe in Jesus Christ. In Philippians chapter one, verse 29, read along with me, it says this, for it has, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. 
want you to read that, and I want you to look at it again, and, and, and hopefully you see it as I see it. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, for Christ's sake, not only to believe, not only to have faith, not only to be able to trust in him, but also to what? Suffer. For what? Him. As I read that verse, as I read this book and I read that verse, and, and, and I've, I've looked a lot at Richard Wormbrand's uh, life, and I followed Voice of Mar- Martyrs, this is the company or the organization that he started. I've followed that for a long time, and I've seen what they've done. But when I read that verse, I began to wonder, God, why not me? If it has been, if it has been granted me the privilege and the honor to believe and trust in Christ, yet why have I not been granted the privilege to suffer for his name's sake? I seriously began to ask that. And as I met with guys, I mean, I would, I would have meetings with guys and I'd tell them, I'd say, why is this not me? Why am I not suffering for the name of Christ? Why was I born where I was so that I didn't have to suffer for the name of Christ? Why are there over 200 million people today still suffering for the name of Christ? When I look at this verse, and if you really dig into it, I, I love the Living Bible. It translates it a, a little different. I wanna, I wanna read this to you um, because I, I think this right here kind of puts it in perspective. In Philippians chapter one, in the Living Bible says this right here. You ready? For to you it has been, has been given the privilege not only of trusting him, but also of suffering for him. Paul calls it a privilege, not only to believe in the name of Jesus, but to what? To suffer for the name of Christ. Now think about this. His pastors talked about this. Where's Paul right now when he's writing this? He's in prison. What has Paul gone through even before this this prison sentence? What has Paul gone through? He's gone through a lot, right? There's a lot of hardships in Paul's life. And I'm not just talking about sickness. I'm not just talking about death. I'm talking about he has gone through things of beatings and, 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 and almost, almost to death with beatings, and now locked up because he's a Christian. And Paul, speaking to the Philippians, what does he say? Listen, it is not only a privilege that God has freely, graciously allowed you to do to believe in him, but now also to suffer for the name of Christ. I thought, God, why? Why not me? It sounds weird because we always pray for what? Our freedom. We always cherish the freedom that we have here in America. But look what Paul says. Paul says, this is a privilege and an honor that I get to suffer for him. And what is the one thing flowing throughout Philippians that pastor has, has so, uh, just so great named the series, of, the series that he's doing is what? Joy in Jesus. And Paul Every, all through the chapters, all through Philippians, we see that he says, I will rejoice. I will say it again, rejoice. There is joy in Paul's heart, not because of his circumstances, but because of who? Jesus. It's for his name's sake. What a privilege it is to just believe in him, but more than that, to be able to suffer for the name of Christ. As I read this book, I began to think about the things that he went through and, and even back then, that still today is going on, that people are suffering because they call themselves Christians. The only thing that I could come away from, the, come, come away with, the only thing that I could to apply this to me is this. Never forget 
those who suffer for the name of Christ. I mean, really, right? Here we are in America. What's the worst suffering that I can experience compared to being beaten because I call myself a Christian? Where has been granted you? I want to give you four reasons why this is a privilege. And then we're going to spend some time praying tonight. But I want to give you four reasons why this is a privilege of of suffering for him. You ready? Here's, Here's number one. Write this down. The reason it is a privilege to be considered to suffer for Christ because we then resemble the Lord Jesus. We resemble the Lord Jesus when we suffer for his namesake. You say, where, where does that come from? Look at Philippians 2.8. Uh, last week as pastor started reading through chapter two, I, I just went back to chapter two this week in my quiet time and, and just started reading. And, and we come to what Paul says to have the same attitude as Jesus Christ, Right? I want to read again this, what, what Pastor read last week in, in chapter 2, verse 5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. It's pretty big, right? Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. We think that's, that's pretty good. That, that's humility right there. To humble himself, to not consider equality with God something to be grasped, to become human. But then it says this. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Read another translation. This is what it says right here. It says this, and he humbled himself even further. I thought about that. I said, how often do I have the chance to humble myself even further? Not just becoming nothing, but humbling myself to sacrifice myself, to lay my desires and my wants and my wishes aside to put his first. For his name's sake. Jesus did that. What an example for us to do. And see, when, when we suffer for Christ, when we are counted worthy to suffer for Christ, one thing that comes from that, one of the privileges that we resemble our Lord Jesus Christ. You read this book, you read other books of martyrs and, and, and watch videos. We'll watch another one in a little bit uh, of a, a present day um, uh, suffering and persecution. We think about these things that these people, all of a sudden, they look like They resemble their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To humble themselves, to sacrifice themselves, even to the point of death for his name. So we become, we resemble the Lord Jesus. Number two, here's the second one. Because we have evidence that we are his if trials come upon us in his cause. We have evidence that we are his, that we are his children. Look at at Philippians 1.28. Look at 1.28. It says this. Let me back up to 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as to one man for the faith of the gospel. 28. Without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Why would he say that? Why would he say that they would be frightened? Because there's some kind of opposition going on, right? There's some kind of persecution going on right in their midst. And, and he's saying, listen, if you, will, if you will conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel, stand together as one in the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way to those who oppose you, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed. But look what it says. <clears throat> but that you will what? Be saved. That you will be saved and that by God. That by God. 
that God will save you. This is a clear sign of salvation for you. Again, in, in another translation, it says this, but whatever happens to me, remember to live as Christians should so that whether I, I see you again or not, I will keep on hearing good reports that you are standing side by side with one strong purpose to tell the good news. Fearlessly, fearlessly, no matter what your enemies may do, they will see this as a sign of their downfall, but for you, it will be a clear sign. The suffering that you are going through for his namesake will be a clear sign for you that he is with you and that he has given you eternal life with him. Suffering for Christ and his namesake is a clear evidence that you are his. That's not one of those things, you know, I'd rather have a be- another sign, right? Many people say, well, I don't want, I don't want that sign if it's going to it's going to bring persecution and suffering on my name. But, but think about this. As these people go through this in, in everyday life, right now as we speak, men and women that are being persecuted for the name of Christ, what better assurance than to know that you are Christ? What better hope than to know that he has you and you have eternal life in Jesus Christ? That's why Paul can say this, whether by life or by death, my life, my body will exalt and honor him. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Why would he say that? Because he knew. He knew that no matter what man does to his body here, that there is something more that he can hold on to. There is hope in Jesus Christ. This was a clear sign for believers in those days and it's a clear sign today that we are his if trials come upon us. Here's the third reason, because we are engaged in a good cause. We are engaged in a good cause. Philippians 1:27 again, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way. This is the thing right here. Listen, what we are suffering for, what we have the privilege of suffering for is good. What Paul was going through, he knew this was for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, he said earlier on, I, I, I don't even know what to do. I don't know if I should go or stay. You know, if, if I go, it'll be better It'd be better if I leave, if I go to heaven, I'm with Christ. But if I stay, I know it'll be good too because I know that I can stay and encourage you. We're engaged in a good cause. What we are doing is not just coming to church. It is not just to sit in these pews and to feel comfortable and have religion on our side. This is a good cause that we are fighting for. And if it means laying down our lives for Jesus Christ, Paul says, let it be. Because this is the privilege the privilege to suffer for the name of Christ. I love, I love what Richard said this, there are men who believe in God and there are men who sincerely believe that they believe in God. Think about that. There are some men and women who actually believe in Jesus Christ and there are some men and women in American churches today who think they believe in God. I was talking to a man the other day about this very thing and we were talking about this verse and he said, you know what? If I was in that situation, yeah, I would pray because that's all I'd have to do. I hope so, but would we? 
If I was to suffer at the hand of other men because of the name of Christ, would I? Would I consider it pure joy? Would I consider it a privilege to suffer for the name of Christ? We are engaged in a good cause and the privilege of maintaining such a cause is worth much suffering. It has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not just to believe, but to suffer for the name of Christ. Number four, here's the fourth reason it is a privilege, because it will be connected with a brighter crown and more exalted honor in heaven. More exalted honor in heaven. Philippians 1.20, Christ be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. In verse, in verse 23, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. To be with Christ is better by far. Look, look what happened in, in our example in chapter two. You remember what, what happened to Jesus after he surrendered his body? He humbled himself even to the point of death. What did God do for Jesus? What did he do? Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I'm not saying that he's gonna exalt us to the highest place or that our name will be above every name because that's only one name and that's Jesus Christ. But I believe this, because of those who suffer and the privilege that he has granted to them, I believe there will be honor and that he will exalt them because of their suffering, because of what they have endured. Why? Because of the name of Christ. Because of Christ's sake. Again, this is not just a desire to make us feel sad for those that that suffer for Christ and who are being persecuted, the 200 million who are being persecuted for the name of Christ. Tonight, our desire is this, that we would be burdened for those. That we would leave this place not just, uh, not just broken and, and, and crying, and, and, but we would be burdened and to get on our knees in our freedom and to pray for those who are being persecuted every single day that we are over here enjoying what we call as freedom. It is a privilege, he said, to suffer for him. I want you to turn to Acts chapter five, and, and I wanna show you something that I think is so amazing. What a great passage. And I believe some of these men and women that we read, you read stories and uh, of testimonies of men and women who are arrested and um, who, who continue to, to stand for the name of Christ. And, and there's all kinds of stories out there, but we have them right here in God's word in Acts chapter five, where the apostles are persecuted. Uh, they're brought into prison. God releases them from prison. They go right back out and begin, begin teaching again. And then the, 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 the high priest and all those see them again and are like, what in the world, what happened? How'd they get out? Now they're out preaching again. So they bring them back. And in, in verse um, 27 in chapter five, it says this, having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in his name, he said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. And Peter said, uh, he replied, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Those in the Sanhedrin began to talk again, and one man spoke up for them and said, you need to just let them go. If 
this is not of God, then they'll just disappear and let's not make a big deal about it. Basically what he says in verse, in verse 40, it says, his speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them what? Flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. In verse 41, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. Not only Paul, but Peter, saying that we are counted worthy to take beatings for the name of Christ. We would be counted worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. I hope that all of you, like me, we, we sit here and go, God, why, why not me? Why not me? I don't know. I don't have the answer for that. I could ask it every day and it would never get answered. But I know this from what I'm reading and what I'm seeing is this, that I can never forget those who are suffering for the name of Christ, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Never forget those. Never stop praying. We, we, we do this, and we did this last year. We prayed for the internet, we prayed for the persecuted church, and, and then the rest of the year, what do we do? We go about our day. We meet here on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We go about reading our Bible. We go about doing Bible studies and preaching and singing, and we continue to forget that there are men and women who are suffering and dying for the name of Christ. I want to give you some things that we can pray for tonight. As we begin to think about this, as we begin to think about the men and women who are giving their lives for Christ, what do we pray for? How do we pray for them? In our mind, this is what we do. God, would you deliver them? I think that's the wrong prayer. Because if it's counted a privilege to suffer for Christ's namesake, why would, why would we ask that? I'm not saying that God won't deliver them, that God won't release them from prison sometimes. He does, but this is the wrong prayer. This is what I wanna give you. Here's, here's some prayers I think we can pray for them tonight. Number one, we pray that they would know the hope God gives. Again, that they would know the hope that God gives and hold fast to that hope. That no matter what they experience, just like Richard here for 14 years, he would hold fast to the hope that God gives eternal life in Jesus Christ. We pray that they would know the hope God gives. Number two, we pray the Holy Spirit would strengthen them. The Holy Spirit would give them the strength to continue to say yes to Jesus and no to man. That they would have the strength the Holy Spirit can only give to do what God has called them to do. The privilege of suffering for the name of Christ. We not only pray for strength, but we pray that the persecuted believers would know how much God loves them. As I read this book, I, 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 it just reminded me so much that they, they relied so much on what God's word in their mind. They relied so much on the word of God here and here because they didn't have it here. We pray that God would remind them every single day through every single action that he loves them that he cares for them, and that just because they're going through this does not mean that he does not. We pray also they would know how to share the gospel 
in the midst of their suffering. Can you imagine? Just like Richard says in, in, his, in, in the book, and they, they took the, from the book to the movie, he says this, as the last guard came in and said, what are you praying for? And he said, I'm praying for you. God would not only give them the strength to say that, to pray, but also give them the strength to know how to share the gospel with those that persecute them. We all have enemies, right? We all have people that we don't get along with and have a hard time speaking to them about the gospel. Can you imagine those who beat us, those who persecute us? Share the gospel with those. And the last thing is to pray that they would fearlessly share the gospel. I love what Paul says that in Philippians 1, you remember we read this, he Whatever happens to me, remember always to live as Christians should so that whether I I see you again or not, I will keep on hearing good reports that you are standing side by side with one purpose, to tell the good news. Fearlessly, no matter what your enemies may do to you. Fearlessly, no matter what the opposition brings. Sharing the gospel with those who need to hear Maybe, maybe one day we, we experience this. And I know for many of us, we sit there and we go, you know what, don't say that, Chris. We, we want to protect this place. We want to protect our families. We want to protect ourselves and keep ourselves from those things. But think about this. If Paul considers it a privilege to suffer for the name of Christ. How much more should I desire God use me however you want? whether by life or by death, you be exalted. For me to live as Christ and to die as gain. In the hands of his accusers, Paul said that. Paul says, you know what? Do what you want. Because for me, it's not only a privilege to believe on Jesus Christ, but it's also a privilege to suffer for his name's sake. Can you say that? I want us to close tonight, in the last few minutes that we have, just praying some of these things for, for people we know right now that are suffering for Christ. I was reading another book, and right now, in all parts of the world, thousands upon thousands of Muslims are coming to Christ. Think about that. As much news as we hear about ISIS and the persecution that is going on, Right? We hear about all the bad things that ISIS is doing and what the Muslims are doing, some of the Muslims are doing to those around them and the Christians around them. Right now, thousands upon thousands of Muslims are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Why? Because there are men and women willing to sacrifice everything that they are for the name of Christ. We have men and women on the field right now that are risking everything they have for the name of Christ. And what does God do? God uses that so that people can know him. God uses that so people will trust in Jesus Christ. Are their lives sacrificed for the name of Christ? Yes. Is it a sad thing? Yes. But we also know this, it's an honor. It's an honor to suffer 
for the name of Christ and what happens because of that, the people that come to know Christ and the people that will be a part of his kingdom because of those sacrifices. Paul says it is a privilege not only to believe, but to suffer for his name's sake. I want to ask us to do this. I want to bow our heads and close our eyes. and I'm going to ask you just to pray for some of these things. And <clears throat> I'm going to ask you, if you feel led, please, please do not feel like embarrassed or ashamed to, to speak up and pray out loud. Maybe right now at this time you feel so burdened that you just need to pray for those. As I speak about some of these things that we're going to pray for, maybe you just want to say that out loud. I want us to be a church that is a praying church. I want us to be a church that is not afraid to speak up and to call out the name of Jesus for those who are suffering for his name's sake. May this not just be a 30-minute sermon that we hear and walk out and forget, but may this be a, a message that, that dwells in our heart and changes the way we think about the church and those that are suffering. If you feel led, you pray out loud, but I'm just going to ask us to pray for certain things, and as we close, you pray for those in your seat or out loud, silently, whatever you want to do. Here's the first thing. Let's pray right now that God would remind them that the hope of the hope he gives. you pray right where you are right now that the Holy Spirit would give them strength to face whatever comes their way. Maybe right now they're in prison. Maybe right now they they don't know where their husband or father is. Maybe their children have been taken. Would you pray that the Holy Spirit would strengthen those involved in the persecution today? God, we just we pray right now that they'd be reminded that God loves them. You know, in the midst of struggles and trials and troubles, we often forget about God's love in our life. Maybe just a just a reminder, a sweet reminder right now that God does love them and that He suffered and died for them. Let's pray for that.
you pray that these persecuted Christians would share the gospel fearlessly with their persecutors or other prisoners or wherever they are, that they would continue to fearlessly share the gospel no matter what. Father God, thank you. Lord, that we do have the privilege to believe in your name. That you have graciously forgiven us. Lord, that you call us children. But God, I pray right now that we would not forget about those who suffer for your name churches all over the world, Lord, that are being persecuted, or churches that have to hide because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for those right now that are meeting in secret. Part of them, I know, worries about what could happen. Father, would you strengthen them? Would you encourage them? Would you remind them, Lord, that the church in America is praying for them? There are believers who are, who are here calling out in your name for their sake. God, I pray that, that these churches and these believers would have access to your word. As Donna said, that they would have a chance to have something, whether it's a page from the scriptures or maybe it's just a reminder of your word in their heart. Lord, I pray that they would have courage to remain in their homeland as they continue to share the gospel with those that need to hear the gospel. Lord, I pray for believers who have been rejected by their families and friends because of the faith. I pray that you would surround them with new Christian family who loves them and supports them emotionally and physically, God. Lord, I pray for believers to find jobs and even safe places to live. God, I pray, Lord, right now, as we know that this is probably not going to get any easier, this is going to continue to happen and may continue to worsen, Father. Lord, would you help us to have the kind of faith that finds it a privilege to suffer for the name of Christ? Would you give us the kind of faith that, that looks at our circumstances and our trials and, and sees nothing but joy in Jesus? God, would you help us not just to sincerely believe that we believe, but God, would you help us believe in you? So often we, we're so comfortable in the way that we worship, the places that we are and the circumstances in our life, God. We get so comfortable 
in those things. We forget of those that don't have it so good. God, I pray that every day, daily, you would remind us of those who are laying their lives down for the gospel. God, would you challenge us to do the same? Lord, if there is something in our lives right now that we can apply, that we can do, would you help us to do that? Father, we thank you for the reminder and we thank you for Paul's testimony and and the example that we have in Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you again for what you are doing, not only here in our community, God, but for what you are doing in the world. The revival that is taking place among the Muslim world, Father, thank you for those who are risking their lives just to tell the good news to those who don't know. God, I pray that you would use us, the church, to continue to spread that good news around the world in whatever way you want to use us, Father. Lord, may we pray, may we give, and may we go. Lord, thank you for the privilege and the opportunity. Thank you for using us in all sorts of ways. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.